0: Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Worship Today. Welcome to Schweitzer. Wherever you're at, we're glad you're here. I'm Jim, and I serve as a pastor here, as well as our host for this experience, for our worship together today. If you're a guest with us, we're really glad you're here. Thanks for being here. We have a gift for you. Check in with us at sumc.co slash hello. We'll send a gift card out to you right away. It's a Starbucks digital gift card. Enjoy some brew on us. Today, we're continuing our series a series called The Myths of Forgiveness as we explore the scriptures as to what forgiveness is and isn't. It's so important as a follower of Jesus to live a life of forgiveness. Pastor Spencer will lead us in a message that's really practical too. Speaking of the message, if you'd like to go deeper into these sermons and this whole series, go to sumc.co slash next. We have sermon series questions and more for you as you explore got deeper through this series and through this message. So again, we invite you to do that. And now let's hear from Stephanie, who's going to tell us more about what's going on here at Schweitzer.
1: Hi, I'm Stephanie. We are so glad you're here today. Every week, more and more of you are joining us here on site, and we're so excited about that. You might have noticed that we've stopped Checking people in at the door but that doesn't mean we don't want to know you're here a great way to let us know you're here is by using the church center app with the church center app you can look up Schweitzer Church and check yourself and your family in online you can also use the app to sign up for groups and classes and even give online families with kids in our kids program can also find a code to scan to print their name tags out right here on site A quick way to find the Church Center app and download it is by going to the sumc.co slash next page. You can also find a simple check-in form online here if you prefer. Also, you can scan the QR code on the pew in front of you to get quickly to this site to download the app. Next weekend is Memorial Day weekend. And on that Sunday, we are inviting all ages to join together at our worship services at 9 and 1045. We're calling this our family worship celebration, meaning that we won't have children's programs that Sunday. We're looking forward to all ages worshiping together. One last thing, next week per the new city guidelines for Springfield and Greene County, masks will no longer be required indoors. While we really look forward to seeing your faces, we also know that it's important to be cautious and follow health recommendations for vaccinations. We really appreciate your flexibility over this past year with all of the changes. Once again, we are so glad you're here today. Let's continue with worship.
0: Thanks, Stephanie, for keeping us connected. We invite you to engage today. There's a chat feature on your screen. Say hi to your friends, give us your insights. Also, if you'd like to receive prayer, there's a button and we have people ready to pray with you. And now let's worship and celebrate God together Teresa is going to lead us as we praise and worship together.
2: Every time I face the way, I don't want to be afraid, I don't want to be afraid, I don't want to fear the storm, just because I hear it grow, I don't want to fear the storm, I don't wanna. Our only way. I'm not gonna be afraid I'm not gonna be afraid I'm not gonna fear the storm cause afraid no greater than its roar and I'm not gonna fear
0: Let's pray together. We thank God for the gift of prayer, the gift of relationship, how we can hear from God through God's whispers and more, and how we can speak with God through our prayer. Today, I invite us to pray in this uh, season of graduations. This is Senior Sunday, where we acknowledge and celebrate and pray for seniors and others graduating. And so I invite you this morning to uh, pray with me as we, uh, as we really give thanks to God for these lives and for this uh, season of transition, and then ask God's blessing on these young people. Let's pray together. Holy God and kind, kind Father, we praise you for you are worthy. We thank you that you're always with us, leading and guiding our lives, and we thank you for all the generations as we do life together with each other and with you. Today, we especially pray for graduating seniors, young people, who we pray will bless you and bless the world. Give them, Lord, your wisdom and your perseverance. Give them courage. Holy Spirit, come and give them humility and hope never-ending, patience and kindness. Let them be a light unto the world. Let their lives glorify you. Use them to change the world as you seek for your good and holy purposes. Help them as they transition into new places. Bless their words and actions. God, help them cooperate at all times and all places with your Holy Spirit as you come alongside them. Lord, we love these people and we just pray their blessing upon them. And you love them more than we can imagine. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And now let's pray the prayer that our Lord taught us long ago. Let's pray with boldness and confidence and saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now as we come to this time of offering, we thank God for God's generosity and care. God provides, gives and gives and gives. And we respond with trust and faith and obedience, giving back to God, our tithes and offerings, our gifts. And we really, really appreciate your giving, your generosity that impacts lives here on this campus and the Ozarks around the world really. And especially on, on this Sunday where we've just heard about how we uh, acknowledge and celebrate young people's lives and people graduating, younger people. And so thank you for the foundation you've given by supporting these young people through kids' ministry, youth, and beyond. Have they have Christ as a foundation because of your generosity. So again, we really thank you. We can continue to give through sumc.co Slash give, and now the choir will continue to lead us in worship.
3: Welcome today. My name is Spencer. and Today is part four of our series called uh, Myths of Forgiveness. We are spending the month of May talking about exactly that. We're talking about forgiveness because forgiveness is one of those things that if you don't pay attention to it, it doesn't happen. You don't accidentally forgive people who have hurt you. You don't like stumble into becoming a person of forgiveness. You have to cultivate this and tend to it and pay attention to it. You have to get intentional about forgiveness. And so we're spending the month of May, five Sundays, talking about forgiveness. And we're doing this by looking at some myths of forgiveness, some common ways that people think forgiveness is one thing when really it's something else. Um, and sometimes these, these myths that we, we buy into, they, they keep us from, from living into the forgiveness that the Lord has for us. And so today we're going to look at a really common myth and we're going to look at the myth that to 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 forgive somebody means that we forget. It's like favorite phrase for so many people. You forgive and forget, forgive and forget. And so, in fact, some people say it so much. I think that they think it's in the Bible. Like, there's all these kinds of things that people think are in the Bible that aren't. And sometimes I think people think that forgive and forget is in the Bible. Like, it's a biblical teaching, but it's really not. It's like some of those things people say, like um, God helps those who help themselves. Mm, that's that's not really in the Bible. Or 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 God works in mysterious ways, which I I guess He does. But again, that's not in the Bible. Or or um, God won't give you more than you can bear. Again, not in the Bible. Forgive and forget is like one of those. Like people think it's in the Bible, think it th- think it's a biblical teaching, but it's, it's, it's really not. And so today what I want to offer you is an alternative to this. Instead of forgive and forget, which isn't in the Bible and it's really not even possible because I don't know how you're going to just erase your memory. I want to offer you a, an alternative to this that is very biblical. And instead of forgive and forget, let's think about it instead as forgive and be free. Because there is a certain kind of freedom that happens on the other side of forgiveness. And so today, I want to we're going to look at this, this, this invitation that we have to, to freedom and that we can be um, free on the other side of forgiveness. And so to set this up, we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to look at a principle about forgiveness that on the other side of this is an incredible amount of freedom. So Ephesians chapter 4, um, here's how it goes. We're going to start in verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I love that line, that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. And, and the idea here is sealed. You're not like not like a ziplock, like a bag is sealed, but like you're stamped, you're made official, that kind of seal. Like it's graduation season, and so diplomas have a seal on them that they're official. And When you belong to Christ, you are like made official. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. I love that. And because you're made official uh, through the Holy Spirit, uh, here's how you should act now. So we keep reading here. Verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, up for us, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So did you catch the principle there on forgiveness? Verse 32 said it very clearly. It said, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. This is the principle, that we forgive as God has forgiven us. And of course, this is a principle that we have looked at in basically all of these messages in the series that, that we forgive because we have received this from the Lord, that we are sharing this with others, this, this very thing that we have received. And, and this principle, though, it is, it is so central to, to finding the freedom that is on the other side of forgiveness. A great way to think about this principle is to think about forgiveness as breathing. I mean, you think about this, you, you breathe in, you breathe out. And you breathe in in order to breathe out. And what happens if you just breathe in oxygen, a lung's full of air, and then you just hold that? Well, eventually you, you suffocate. You you have to breathe out in order to keep breathing in. This is how this works. Like you breathe in God's forgiveness and you have to share this with others. You can't just receive God's forgiveness in your life and then not share this with the other people around you. Like it just it just doesn't work, or else what you do is you hold in this work that God has done and, and you you suffocate. You you kind of kill yourself spiritually because you need to breathe this out to others. What you have received from the Lord is is to be meant to be shared with others. And so we forgive as the Lord has, has forgiven us, this key, key principle. Now, as we think about this principle that we forgive as the Lord has forgiven us, I think it's also helpful to really name and uh, spend some time thinking about, well, well, how has the Lord forgiven us? Like, what has he done in our life? Like, how, how would you describe that and how would you name it? And so one of my favorite places in the Bible that describes what the Lord has done for us is Psalm 103. I think Psalm 103 is so incredible, and it's so descriptive of the work that God has done in our life. So I want to read some of it to you. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I just want to draw your attention to some of the things that the Lord has done in our life, how he's forgiven us and, and been active in our life. And so Psalm 103, here's how it goes. Verse one, uh, praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It starts off, and the psalm is like, Let's name the work that God has done. Let's let's name the benefits. Let's dwell on it and think about it and not just talk about it in general terms, but let's be specific and talk about what is it that the Lord has done in our life. And so now we're gonna read like a list of things that the Lord has done and here's how it goes. Verse three, forget not all his benefits. Here's the first one, who forgives all your sins. Right off the bat, what has the Lord done? He has forgiven all your sins. And how many sins is that exactly? It was all your sins. Not some, not a few, not just the the small ones, not just when the Lord feels like it. No, no, he's forgiven all your sins. He's continually forgiven us. The list keeps going to describe what God has done. So he forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. We're going to skip down to verse 10, or verse 11, I'm sorry. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And then verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. And the Psalms are going to keep going for a long time after this, but I think you get the point that the Lord has been good to us. He's loved us and redeemed us. He's healed us and he's forgiven us. This is what he's done. And I love that last line we just read, that, that the Lord's forgiveness it said is like, he's, he's forgiven us in a, in a way that as far our sins are removed from us as far as the east is from the west. I love that. As far as the east is what from the west, so far as our, our sins, our transgressions are removed from us. What a descriptive way of, of, of describing, like this is how the Lord has forgiven you. He's removed your sin, your wrongdoing, your problems. He's removed this as far as the east is from the west, which of course begs the question, like how far is that? the east from the west. Like how, do, how do you quantify that? How far has the Lord removed our sin from us? I mean, you think about the world, there's a North Pole and a South Pole, but there's not like an East Pole and a West Pole. So how far is it exactly that the Lord has removed um, our sin from us? I, I don't know. I know that the North Pole from the South Pole is 12,430 miles. I know that because I Googled it, so it's a right number. But the east from the west, like, I I don't know, where does the east begin? Where does the west begin? There's there's no way to measure this. It's almost as if the psalmist is saying, like, what the Lord has done for you is He's forgiven you in this kind of continuous, immeasurable kind of movement. He's never given up on you. He just keeps forgiving you. He just keeps uh, offering you this work of forgiveness. This is what He does in your life. This is how He's forgiven us. And so we have this principle to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. And we think about this immeasurable, continuous, kind of work that God has done in our life, and, and 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 we reflect, and we and we understand that this is what He's done for us. Now, now this is what we're going to offer to others, is we want to share this, this same goodness with others, this same grace and mercy that He's given us. We want to share this with others. We want to forgive, just as He has forgiven us, which, of course, is a lot easier said than done. <laughs> I mean, to offer the Lord's forgiveness to other people, as He's done to us, is way easier said than done. I mean, it's it's one thing to receive God's forgiveness into our life and to receive his goodness into our life. It's another thing entirely then to forgive other people when they have sinned against us. Like it's far easier said than done as we think about this. And yet on the other side of this forgiveness, of offering this forgiveness to others, there is incredible freedom. And, and I know that because I've experienced it. I mean, I've, I've experienced the freedom that comes when you live into this principle that I'm going to forgive um, just as the Lord has forgiven me, that I'm going to offer to others what it is that the Lord has done for me. So let me, let me tell you about one of those times where I found freedom on the other side of, of forgiveness. And uh, this is probably one of the, uh, not probably one of, it is, it is the most dramatic uh, moments in my life that I've had to offer free, uh, forgiveness to somebody. And, and, and you know, for me, I don't know how it is for you, but for me, it's one thing when people offend me or hurt me but when someone hurts someone that I care about or someone I'm responsible for, oh my goodness, it's so much harder for me to forgive that person than it is sometimes just to forgive someone who does something to me. So in May 2015, I had one of those moments where I had to forgive somebody who hurt somebody that I cared about and I was responsible for. So in May of 2015, I was a pastor in a little town north of Kansas City. And one evening in May, we had a church committee coming together for a, for a meeting. And we were uh, doing an interview of like a worship leader. And so there's six or seven people in our committee. And we were together that evening at the church doing this interview. And about halfway through the interview, uh, we, we took a break because we were going to go from the, like, the interview process part of the time where you talk to the person. And then we wanted to hear the candidate play for us. And so it was because it's a music position. And so we took a break. And uh, one of the women went uh, to the restroom, excuse herself, went to the restroom. And she's gone for a little while. And you just kind of started to think to yourself, I wonder where Sarah went. I don't know where Sarah went. I don't know. I don't know where she went. And we're kind of sitting around. We're not really thinking about it too much, but we're just thinking to ourselves, ah, oh, she should probably come back about, about this time. And and eventually, she, she came back into the room, just kind of suddenly came back into the room, and she burst through the doors in the back of the sanctuary. Everyone else was in the front of the room, and she's just screaming, just screaming. She falls to her knees and she's screaming. I'm in the front of the sanctuary. I have no idea what's going on. I'm so incredibly confused. She's screaming. I don't know what she's saying. One of my good friends who's on this committee, he starts running for the door. And I, like, I don't know what's going on, but I go with him. It's kind of thing. Like, I'm so incredibly confused in the moment. I have no idea what's happening. I just go with him. He runs into the lobby and he gets to the, to the doors. Uh, we get to the doors. There's three men of us uh, who are on this committee. We see, um, this car light turn on in the parking lot. And so we, we start sprinting for the car. I'm following my friend. He, my friend was in the army. He's got a clear head in this situation. My, my, our other friend has been screaming, and, and now we're following this car in the parking lot. I don't know what's going on. I'm so incredibly confused. And we get to this car. My buddy's um, hitting on the window, trying to get the guy to come out. And this is when I realize what's happened. I finally dawns on me that whoever's in this car attacked my friend Sarah. She came into the sanctuary, and she was screaming. And later I learned that what she was saying was, he's at the door, he's at the door, he's at the door. I, of course, was so confused. I didn't understand anything of what was going on. And this is just the, the situation. So I'm at the front of the car. My buddy's trying to break open the, the window to get this guy to come out. Um, the, the guy who's in the car turns the car on. He starts to go. I'm at the front. He hits me, runs over me. I have a big bruise on my leg the next day as he jumps up onto the island um, in our parking lot puts his car back into reverse because he can't go he's, he's he stopped there on the islands and he starts backing out of our parking lot really fast and the church had recently redone all of our islands and so you know the signs that sit in parking lots where you have the handicap or the first- time visitor kind of kind of signs and well all of those were laying down and so this car is going away I finally realized what's going on so I thought we've got to stop him we got to, we've got to we make sure the police get him and so I, I grab one of these signs that's on the ground and I start running after the car I don't know what I'm thinking but I I finally decided I'm gonna to try to throw it at the car and I just kind of like javelin throw the sign, trying to break through the window in this guy's car and it just bounces off the door, of course. Now later when this incident went to trial and I was on the witness stand, the prosecuting attorney, he asks me, I tell the story, I tell about throwing a, a, a sign through a window, trying to javelin this thing and, and the prosecuting attorney looks at me while I'm on the witness stand and he says, now, now preacher, is that javelin throw from the Old Testament or the New Testament? Like I was on the, on the witness stand, he asks me that question. Well, My other friend who had had a clear head throughout this time while I was so confused, he gets into his car. He chases this man and calls the police, and eventually they, they arrest him in town. I mean I, I go back into the building, and, and I eventually learn that, that the story is that our friend Sarah had, had gone to the restroom, and there was this man who snuck into our church. Um, he was high on meth, and He's waiting for somebody, anybody, to come into the women's restroom where he attacked her. She was incredible. She fought him off. Uh, she, she was just an amazing, amazing person. She fought him off and, and was able to come out of the restroom where she came and was screaming to us, he's at the door, he's at the door, he's at the door. She was cut up because he came at her with a knife. And um, and and then thankfully, then he, he was arrested. Eventually, he was uh, charged and, and went to trial and, and, and serving a life sentence because it turns out this was the third time he had done something like that. Now, the next day I, I went to Sarah's house and I was so nervous to go talk to her because I, I, like, I didn't know what I was going to say. And I felt so responsible because I, I was the pastor and these are the people who are under my care. And I, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to respond. I, I just didn't know. I felt guilty that that I had let her down. We had lacked security. The doors were unlocked. I mean, all the kinds of things that we should have been doing, we weren't doing. And now she was harmed because of this. And I felt so responsible and so guilty. And, and I felt so angry because it's, it's one thing if you do something to me, it's, it's something else when you do something to somebody I care about and somebody who's, I'm I'm responsible for. And so I I find myself just just so incredibly angry at this man. And then then it took about two years for him to go to trial, two years, and he pleaded not guilty. And so we had to go through trial. And so my friend Sarah had to relive this traumatic, trauma-filled experience again while she had to testify and and other people had to testify um, against him. I was so angry, so angry that somebody would hurt somebody that I care about and somebody that I was responsible for, so angry. And, and this is what happens many, many times with un, unforgiveness, is, is you find yourself trapped in, in the anger, trapped in the, in the hurt, trapped in the offense, trapped in the bitterness. You find yourself trapped in whatever it is that happened, you, and you find yourself trapped in, in living in the past. And I was there with this guy. I was so angry at him for hurting somebody that I cared about, that I was responsible for, a friend of mine that I've done many, many things with, and, and somebody, I, I, was, I was devastated by this. And so I just, I held on to this anger, and I, I, I was trapped by being angry at him for, for years, uh, for years as I wrestled through what had happened that evening in that church. But this is what unforgiveness does, is it, is it keeps you trapped. Now, there's this idea in the Bible, especially you see it in the Old Testament, that when the, the Bible describes the human condition, which is another way of saying like what it's like for us to be human, um, the Bible often describes the human condition as, as being trapped. Um, one of the most famous ways you see it in the scripture is that the Bible will say that we are living in kind of like a pit. We saw it in Psalm 103. It said that the Lord has redeemed us from the pit. And so there's this idea in the Bible that the human condition is it's like, you're, like you're in a prison. It's like you're shackled to something. It's like, it's like you're in a room where the walls are closing in on you. And, and this is what unforgiveness does for us as well. It's like, it's like you're living in a pit where you just keep living in the past. You keep shackled to the hurt. You're living in the prison of what it is that's happened to you. You're, you're living in the thing that's made you so angry and you stay there. And you know you're living in this way. Whenever you think of that person or that incident and all you feel is the bitterness the resentment, the hurt, the anger, when that's the emotions that come back up to you, you know you're living in that place because you're you're trapped. You're you're shackled. You're in a pit. It's like you're in a room where the walls are closing in on you. You're restricted in a small kind of place. And this is not the Lord's will for us. The Lord's will for us is not that we would be Constricted and shackled and imprisoned in, in our own unforgiveness and our own sin and our own, in our own lives and and in the past. Instead, the Lord wants something else for us. And so when the Bible describes the human condition like a pit, the Bible also often describes God's salvation as bringing us into a, like a wide open place a spacious place. is how the Bible usually describes it. Let me give you some examples of of the spacious place that we see uh, in the scripture just given to us over and over again. So here's a few examples. Psalm, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel 22 says, he that is the Lord brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Or here's Job 36. It says, he is wooing you from the jaws of distress. Think about that for just a second. The jaws of distress are like a a restricting kind of place. It's like a, a room that's coming in on you. It's it's this place that's that's trapping you down. And so he is he is wooing you from the jaws of distress to a spacious place, free from restriction, to the comfort of your table laden with choice food. Or Psalm 18, verse 19, he brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Or Psalm 31, verse 8, you have given me. You have not given me into the hands of my enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. Or Psalm 118, verse five, when hard pressed, again, you get the same idea, when hard pressed, when things are coming against me and it's a it's a constricted, restricted kind of place, it says, I cried out to the Lord and he brought me into a spacious place. This is how the Bible describes God's salvation so many times. Here's one of my favorites, um, Romans chapter five. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master, Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown his door open to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory standing tall and shouting our praise. You see, if the human condition is is like a pit where, where the walls are closing in on you and you're trapped and you're shackled and you're imprisoned, if the human condition is this place where everything's getting smaller, God's salvation is like this wide, open, spacious place. This Big field, this, this big place that, that, is, that is open to us. It's, it's, it's this place where we find freedom. Like if the human condition is about restriction, God's salvation is about freedom. And so we have this, this principle that we forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. And, and I guess you could hear that as a command, like, Thou shalt forgive others. But really, I think what this principle is, is an invitation. It's an invitation to experience the freedom of walking into God's plan for us. It's an invitation to experience the freedom of the open space that comes on the other side of forgiveness. It's an invitation to walk out of the anger, to walk out of the the hurt, to walk out of the betrayal, to walk out of the past and to live into a new future that is wide open and spacious to us. Not the restrictive shackles that we've lived in while we we lived in unforgiveness, but this wide open place. You see, for years I was angry at this man. I was so angry that he had attacked my friend, that he had disrupted our lives, that he said he was not guilty. I mean, this is so angry for him in so many ways. And I, I was shackled to that anger. I was shackled to to, to feeling hurt and, and to be angry at him for how he treated my friend is shackled to that anger. But the choice of forgiveness, it moves you from the pit into this wide open, spacious place. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you is an invitation. It's an invitation to freedom. It's an invitation to leave the pit behind. It's an invitation to walk out of the past and to live into God's future for us because God's will for you, for me, for us is for freedom. He wants us to be free. So people might say forgive and forget, I guess. Although I don't really think that's possible. I don't know how you possibly forget the kinds of things that have happened to you in your life. I don't know how you forget those things that have been said or done to you. I don't, I don't know how that's possible. It's not like there's some magic wand that you wave over your brain and you just forget what's happened. Well, that's not possible. What I do think is possible, what the Bible invites us to, is it's just to forgive and to be free. And this comes when there's a choice that we make, a choice to leave the shackles, the pit, the room that's coming close on us, to leave that behind and to walk into God's spacious place that he has for us. And so I wonder for you in your life, I wonder if there's somebody that you need to forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Maybe it's something that happened a long time ago. Maybe it's something that's still taking place in your life and it's it's a whole bunch of small things. But as long as you hold on to that anger, the resentment, the bitterness, you're going to be shackled. You're going to be living in a pit. You're going to be in a place where the walls are coming in on you because you're living in the past. And what God wants is he wants you to find freedom, freedom of a wide open space available for you. Let's pray. And so Father, today we do uh, thank you for the forgiveness that you offer to us. Oh my goodness, you've been so good to us. You have loved us and called us and healed us and forgiven us when we didn't deserve it. You've given your own son for us that we can have life. You have been so good to us. You've offered us freedom in this this immeasurable, continuous kind of way. As far as the east is from the west, you've removed our sin from us. This is what you've done for us. And now you are inviting us into the freedom that we find in forgiveness. And so I want to pray for my friends here today, For, for anyone here who, first of all, doesn't know the forgiveness that you offer, that the free gift of your son that you have given to us, I want to pray for them today that this would be a day where they open their hearts, their minds, their lives to the reality of Psalm 103, the benefits of the Lord that you have done for us and that you have forgiven us. The simple prayer, Lord, would you forgive my sin and would you lead my life? And I also want to pray for my friends here who who are trapped and they're living in a, a, a pit because while they've received your forgiveness, this is not something that they've offered to others. And for some of us, there are some very specific people that we know that we need to forgive in our life. Would you enable us and help us to live into this invitation that you have for us, this invitation of freedom, that we don't have to live in the past, we don't have to live with the old shackles, the old prisons, the old pits because you are bringing us into this place of wide open spaces. You are so good to us. And we thank you for all that you are doing in our life today. And so God, would you um, lead us into this invitation towards freedom? In the name of Jesus, we pray today. Amen. Thanks everybody for worshiping today. A
0: special thanks to Stephanie for keeping us connected. Teresa and the choir for leading us in worship. Spencer, for the message on forgiveness. We really appreciate that. And if you know someone who could benefit from this message, use some encouragement, share it on social media. Thanks for doing that. Again, have a great day. We're really glad you're here. See you next week.